I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is an apostrophe podcast production. We regret to inform you, the Rejection Podcast. There came a point when I wanted to quit, when I thought, this is horrible and this isn't going to work. Ed Sheeran. In December of 2010, Ed Sheeran sold out a gig in East London. 500 people showed up to watch him perform. It was the biggest crowd he'd ever played. The show went great, and afterward, Sheeran and a group of friends stayed behind for a few drinks. As the wee hours of the morning became less and less wee, one by one, each of his friends called it a night. The last one to leave, Sheeran looked around the club. He should have been over the moon, but instead he had a sobering thought. He had managed to sell out the biggest gig of his life, but yet he had nothing to show for it. No money, no record deal, and no place to live. In 1996, Ed Sheeran cried every single day. He was five years old and had just started primary school. 
He attended a private prep school that put its emphasis on one area above all others, sports. And Sheeran was the furthest thing from athletic. Instead, he worshipped music. At just four years old, he had already joined his church choir. He came from a household where creative flames were fanned. His parents were both respected art gallery curators, and his older brother was a talented singer and violinist. Weekends were for visiting art galleries and exhibitions. The Sheeran boys were raised on a healthy musical diet of Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, The Beatles, and Van Morrison. But outside the art-filled walls of their home in Suffolk, England, the youngest of the brood was simply a misfit. Ed Sheeran had bright red hair and teetered on the chubby side. Looking back, he also wonders if he had undiagnosed ADD. So as far as primary school teasing goes, he was a prime target. But of all the adversity a young person could face, his red hair and weight were perhaps the lighter of his crosses to bear. When he was just two years old, Sheeran underwent laser eye surgery. He had a birthmark on his eye that, if left untreated, could turn into glaucoma and cause blindness. But the surgery came with complications. It left Sheeran with a lazy eye, and nerve damage from the anesthetic resulted in a debilitating stutter. Despite hours of speech therapy and countless dollars spent, his stutter wouldn't improve. When he raised his hand to participate in class, his stammer made it impossible to get the words out. He was mocked mercilessly and eventually stopped raising his hand altogether. He was a chubby ginger with a stutter, ADD, a lazy eye, and giant blue pop bottle prescription glasses. So he spent those early years of his life avoiding bullies and crying in the bathroom. Amazingly, Sheeran's stutter wasn't a problem while he was singing. He didn't love the church choir, and his voice was only okay. But when he was singing at home, he was happy, because it was a moment free of embarrassment. He took a crack at many different instruments, the cello, the bass, the piano. But one day, he saw Eric Clapton on TV performing Layla at the Queen's Jubilee concert. He couldn't take his eyes off Clapton's Fender Stratocaster. And right then and there, Sheeran decided the guitar was the instrument for him. His parents limited his TV time, and they didn't allow video games in the house. Instead, they encouraged the boys to find a creative hobby that didn't involve a screen. So young Sheeran marched down to the local pawn shop and bought himself a black Stratocaster of his own for 30 bucks. It even came with its own little amp. He noticed that every major musician he'd ever seen had a band backing them up on stage. So he put out feelers to see if anyone in the neighborhood wanted to form a group together. But no one was interested. So, as Sheeran said in his book, Ed Sheeran, A Visual Journey, while his schoolmates spent their evenings playing Grand Theft Auto, he sat in the corner of his room playing the opening riff to Layla 
ad nauseum. His parents had gifted him an appreciation for classic rock, but he also took a liking to contemporary music. In particular, he loved Eminem. The intricate use of melody and rhythm in rap music fascinated Sheeran. So his dad bought him his first Eminem album, and he quickly got to work learning the lyrics. Eminem's lyrics fly by exceptionally fast, sometimes up to 4.3 words per second. But Sheeran learned every word on the album. And in the process, something amazing happened. He cured himself of his stutter. By his teen years, Sheeran's musical taste diversified even further. From Carole King to Tupac to Madonna to Green Day, he spent hours learning chord progressions, trying to crack the formula of a catchy pop song. But his favorite artist was Damien Rice. Rice is an acoustic folk singer with a pop infusion. Sheeran bought all his records, including hard-to-find bootlegs. Then he got tickets to a Damien Rice concert, his first ever, as Rice typically played at 18-plus venues. After the show, Sheeran got the chance to meet Rice in person. He was ecstatic. His idol was no longer just a fixture in his record collection, but a real-life person who was making music for a living. That night, Sheeran got home from the concert and wrote six songs straight. One was called Typical Average. It was a punk rock song, Green Day meets ACDC. The lyrics were angsty, the guitar was overpowering, and the singing was flat. But on the whole, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. He played his songs for his parents. They were impressed. That's when his father said, an artist has really made it if they play Madison Square Garden. So Sheeran kept writing, and eventually he worked up the courage to perform his music at a local open mic night. It was Battle of the Bands. He was scared, but also kind of exhilarated. Sheeran won first place that night. It was the first time he thought, okay, maybe I'm good at this. Soon he was playing several open mic nights a week. All of his songs sounded exactly like Damien Rice and were almost all about a girl named Claire who he fancied at school. He put together his first EP and called it The Orange Room because his bedroom was orange. He burned 100 CDs himself and sold 15. In an effort to encourage his son's clear interest in music, Sheeran's father took him to see more concerts, including one artist named Gary Dunn. Dunn used a loop pedal in his performance. A loop pedal is a foot-powered device that allows you to record a section of a song, then play it back instantly as you perform, creating the illusion of a full arrangement. Sheeran saw it and thought, I need to get me one of those. If he had a loop pedal, he could be his own band. 
Sheeran started making the three-hour trip from Suffolk to London to play in the big city. And at 16, he made a big decision. He dropped out of high school and moved to London to gig full-time. With no money and nowhere to stay, Sheeran threw himself into performing. He began busking at train stations during the day. Every Tuesday and Thursday, he'd play three open mic nights. Sundays, he'd play two, and each other day, he'd play one, for a grand total of 12 gigs a week. But he also enrolled in Access to Music, a college in London specializing in helping aspiring musicians break into the industry. His style was developing into a unique blend of acoustic rock grunge rap. It was unusual and didn't sound like anyone else on the open mic circuit. It was at this college that he was scouted by his very first management team. A huge win. So he got to work writing and recording some new music and putting together his second EP. He started making friends with fellow aspiring artists on the underground scene, which in itself was an accomplishment for Sheeran. He was broke, so he slept on the floors and couches of anyone who would take him in. When no one could, he slept under a heated arch near Buckingham Palace. Sheeran continued to play open mics in London with no permanent address to call home. Two years in, he still wasn't making enough to pay rent. But one night, he heard music label Island Records was holding a battle of the bands. The winner would get their song released as a single. If that single did well, it opened the door to the possibility of a record deal. So Sheeran performed a song he'd written called Let It Out. And once again, he won. This was it, the turning point. He was on the radar of a massive record label and had released his first single, A Giant Leap Forward. But the hype fizzled out before it even began. The single didn't gain any traction. Island dropped the contract and signed someone else. Sheeran was devastated. For a minute there, he thought his open mic days were behind him. Defeated, he took a gig playing at a homeless shelter charity event. There he met a woman named Angel, who had gotten into drugs and ended up living on the street. He played her some of his songs, and she told him her story. That night, he wrote a song about Angel, called The A-Team. One thing was working for Sheeran. He was starting to develop a small underground fan base. It widened his couch surfing options, but it also gave him a little push. So he started networking. He met a man who ran SBTV, a revered British YouTube channel for emerging urban artists. The two got talking. Soon, Sheeran began performing on SBTV and his videos started gaining traction online, bringing in thousands of views. One such viewer was Jack Alsop, also known as Just Jack. 
Just Jack was a singer-songwriter on the rise after a few of his singles charted in the UK. He liked Sheeran's style and approached him about joining his upcoming Just Jack tour. Sheeran said he'd do it for free and could start immediately. Sold. So Sheeran and Just Jack set out on tour. Sheeran had written a song called You Need Me, I Don't Need You. It had a rap infusion and used the loop pedal. When he played it live, the crowd went wild. But his management team didn't like it. They thought it was awkward when he rapped. They said, you're not Eminem, and stop using the loop pedal. They also told him if he really wanted a shot with labels, he needed to change his clothes and dye his hair. The Just Jack tour was a success. Sheeran found himself playing in bigger and bigger venues. And with that momentum, his management team decided they had enough ammo to approach record labels again. So they set up some meetings. Sony rejected Sheeran. Then EMI. Then Island Records. It was Island's second rejection of Sheeran. This time, they told him they already had Mumford & Sons. Then, not long afterward, another major blow. Sheeran's management dropped him as a client. He wasn't making enough waves, and they told him there was nothing else they could do. Sheeran was crushed. He had made a name for himself on the open mic circuit, but without a manager or a record label's interest, he would remain a nobody. So he began playing at people's house parties and events in exchange for a hundred bucks and a bed for the night. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In 2010, Sheeran heard about a couple gigs in Los Angeles. London wasn't working out the way he wanted, so he scrounged together enough money to buy a ticket to LAX. When he arrived, a friend of a friend managed to get him booked into a poetry night in Inglewood. It sounded cool, so he went and performed a set of his best songs, including The A-Team, You Need Me, I Don't Need You, and another he had written called Lego House. It was his best show yet. The audience went crazy for his songs. That night, he sold $700 worth of CDs at 10 bucks a pop. So he decided to stay a while longer. There was something different about the LA underground scene. It didn't seem to matter what you looked like or what your background, so long as you had soul and something to say. He played gig after gig, staying with whoever would take him in, including friends of friends, fellow artists, and even venue photographers. One night, he played at the Foxhole, a club owned by actor Jamie Foxx. He wowed the crowd and was subsequently invited to play on a radio show that Jamie Foxx hosted. Meeting Foxx was a thrill. Then, later that day, Fox emailed Sheeran telling him he thought he had major potential and offered him a place to stay at his mansion in Beverly Hills for a few days, with full access to his recording studio. Sheeran gladly accepted. One week later, he left California with a few more contacts, a few more dollars, and a few more songs. When he returned to London, Sheeran met with Just Jack's manager, Stuart Camp. Camp had been interested in Sheeran since the Just Jack tour, but Sheeran already had representation at the time. Now that he was a free agent, Camp was eager to take him on as a client. So he did, and Sheeran started sleeping on his couch. Sheeran began touring with a rapper named Example and started working on his next EP, which he called Number 5 Collaborations Project. He wanted to make an entire collection of collaborations with top grime and rap artists on the UK scene. And thanks to SBTV and Example, he had the connections. The collaborations were unusual because hip hop and acoustic folk artists didn't typically go together. But through his trip to L.A., he learned that different genres from different backgrounds could complement each other in interesting ways. So he got to work, meanwhile playing any gig he could land. One night, Sheeran booked a gig in Exeter, a city about a three-hour train ride from London. The gig paid 50 pounds, 
but the train ticket cost 80 pounds. He figured he'd sell some of his EPs to make up the other 30. When he got there, he did a sound check, then waited backstage. But when it came time to go on, he walked out only to realize the room was entirely empty. Not one person had shown up to hear him perform. The venue's sound engineer suggested they wait 30 minutes in case anyone turned up. At the 30-minute mark, they waited another 15. Still empty. So, he performed his set for the sound engineer. But because of all the waiting, he missed his train home. And the next one back to London wasn't until 5 a.m., so he slept at the train station. The next morning, he looked out the foggy train window and thought he'd been at this for years. Maybe this music thing wasn't going to happen. Sheeran decided to finish the Number 5 Collaborations Project EP. And actually... It turned out to be the best thing he'd done to date, by far. So his manager secured them a meeting with a record label and played them the tracks. They didn't like it and told him he should probably just give it out for free. Sheeran was frustrated. He'd played hundreds of shows. He was making connections. His music was good. It didn't make sense. But he figured if they didn't want his album, he just uploaded to iTunes himself. If anyone heard it, he'd be happy. Then, out of nowhere, something incredible happened. Number 5 Collaborations Project started to climb the iTunes charts. The other artists on the album broadcast the release across their social platforms, and in no time, it went viral. Soon, it reached number two, all without the marketing muscle of a record company. Sheeran couldn't believe it. And suddenly, music labels came knocking. They had rejected these very songs before, but now that they were charting, label executives suddenly loved them. On one hand, it was irritating. On the other hand, he knew he'd been a hard sell. He was an awkward, red-headed kid who sometimes rapped while playing acoustic guitar. Acoustic singer-songwriters usually sang love songs, yet his best song was about an addict who became homeless. But of all the music labels that came calling, one stood out. Asylum Records. Asylum was a division of Atlantic Records. It was a very exclusive label and the only one that hadn't already rejected him. Asylum had actually taken the time to come see him perform over the years. As Sheeran put it, they had been interested in him for longer than four hours. So even though they were offering him less money, Sheeran went with his gut and signed his first record contract. It was a surreal moment. He took the money, and paid off his parents' mortgage. (music) 
The first gig Asylum booked for Sheeran was one most bands only dream of, a performance on the Jules Holland show. Later with Jules Holland was a late night BBC show, also broadcast across the pond on MTV, where musical acts perform for a live studio audience of about 300. Sheeran sang what would become his first single, The A-Team. He was terrified and performed perhaps the fastest version of the song he'd ever played. The A-Team debuted at number three on the UK Singles Chart. It became the lead single for his first studio album titled Plus. And in 2011, Plus was released. Three of its singles charted in the top five, including Lego House and You Need Me, I Don't Need You. Three more charted in the top 25. By the end of 2011, Plus was not only certified triple platinum, it became one of the highest charting albums in UK history. And on October 29, 2013, with an acoustic guitar in his hand, a loop pedal under his foot, and red hair on his head, Ed Sheeran really made it. He sold out Madison Square Garden. Ed Sheeran checked off none of the boxes. He was bullied for having red hair, for being unathletic, for having a lazy eye, and for stammering. When he wanted to form a band, he was rejected by his peers, so he created his own band with a loop pedal. When he played, he sang acoustic rap, a non-genre no record label was interested in. But he refused to change. In spite of all the couch surfing and sleeping outside and in train stations, Ed Sheeran took every opportunity that came his way. YouTube videos, Battle of the Bands, tours, he traveled to L.A., he played homeless shelter charity events, house parties, 12 open mic nights a week, and he played to empty rooms. He said yes wherever he could, but kept hearing no's from the music industry. It's hard to hold on to the tiny umbrella of hope when the giant boulder of rejection is looming down on you. That's when Sheeran hit the brick wall that morning on the train, that dangerous fork in the road. That was the moment when he questioned if all the years of hard days and long nights and no money were worth it. But Ed Sheeran persisted. He pushed through the despair, the critical point where so many give up. A career contains an interesting dichotomy. So many people are afraid to be strikingly different when trying to break in. They sense pushback, so they make dozens of little compromises. Yet when someone does make it, they strive to be different. Like Lady Gaga, Sheeran didn't compromise. He refused to change his musical sound. He refused to dye his hair when management told him it was the right career move. He refused to go away quietly when all the record labels turned his songs down. So he uploaded them to iTunes himself. How sweet the moment when they started to climb the charts and the labels came knocking on his door, chasing the same songs they all turned down just months before. That album would break sales records in the UK. 
Ed Sheeran is still the songwriter with the lazy eye and the grunge wardrobe and the red hair. But that red hair is now a trademark. He has collaborated with Eminem on a number one single, the very rapper who helped him lose his stutter. He has played the Diamond Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II, just like Clapton. He has written with Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, The Weeknd, and Beyonce. And the singer who nobody wanted, the musician who was rejected by all the record labels, the songwriter with no fixed address, recently broke U2's record for the highest-grossing tour of all time. Ed Sheeran succeeded because he checked none of the boxes. Never, ever give up. Edward Christopher Sheeran. Singles sold, 54 million. Grammy Awards, 4. Spotify's most streamed song, Shape of You, 2 billion streams. YouTube views, 20 billion. UK Artist of the Decade, 2020. The Rejection Podcast is an apostrophe podcast production and is recorded in an Airstream mobile recording studio. This episode is hosted and written by me, Sydney O'Reilly. Producer, Debbie O'Reilly. Engineer, Keith Ullman. Director, Callie O'Reilly. We regret to inform you that this episode is researched by Abby Forsyth. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Major sources for this episode are listed in the show notes on our website, apostrophepodcasts.ca slash rejection. Follow us on social at apostrophepod. If you're interested in advertising on our show, we like you. Contact us through our site. This series is executive produced by Terry O'Reilly. See you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm being completely honest now, okay? Homelessness makes me uncomfortable. But then I think, at least it's not sleeping on the sidewalk with everything I own uncomfortable don't let homelessness assumptions get in the way of homelessness solutions go to canadacandoit.ca help the canadian alliance to end homelessness